Welcome to the Inside Nutley Podcast Extra. I'm your host, Tom Greco. Today, I'm pleased to be joined by Sharon Baza, Deputy Register for the Nutley Department of Public Affairs and Health, and Vincent Dinataris, Veterans Addiction Counselor. Welcome, Sharon. Welcome, Vincent. Hello. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Sharon, can you please tell us a little bit about the Nutley Resource Recovery Informational Center? This new informational center here at the Nutley Department of Public Affairs and Health is just a brand new initiative coming out. And the basis of it is to make people aware that they can come to our office at 149 Chestnut Street in Nutley and pick up information for anyone who may think they have a problem with drugs or alcohol or anyone they may know has a problem with drugs and alcohol. Um, So they can come here, it's a safe place, it's confidential and they can speak to me myself or they can just come and pick up a few you know pieces packets and be on their way when was this put in place this actually is a brand new initiative we started working on it about three or four months ago and we also had the opportunity to do this because i am on the opioid settlement committee for the county and we were given some funding to help us with getting the literature together and getting the research together we also are in the midst of working with the Nutley Family Service Bureau and some people from our local police department on putting together new books for all of our high school students and possibly the junior high. According to the National Center for Drug Abuse Statistics, 141,000 Americans die from the effects of alcohol in an average year. One in 10 Americans over the age of 12 have alcohol use disorder, and over half of Americans increased their alcohol consumption during the COVID-19 lockdowns. Are these numbers accurate in most communities? Unfortunately, they are. Um, during COVID pandemic of you know COVID nineteen, the use and abuse of alcohol uh, rose tremendously. Um, I have to refer to my notes, so I apologize, but it went from seventy eight thousand nine hundred and twenty seven of alcohol deaths to one hundred and eight thousand deaths. That's an increase of almost thirty eight percent. Why was this? Because people were locked in their homes. There was loneliness, there was depression, there was anxiety. People couldn't get out, they couldn't food shop, they couldn't connect with other people. So yes, the, the rate of, of alcoholism or the use and abuse of alcoholism was tremendous during those couple of years. We're now a few years out of COVID. Have you seen these problems remain the same, uh, scale down or, or grow worse? It has definitely scaled back because people have, you know, been getting back out. People are not working from home like they used to be. They're getting back into the offices. They're getting back to shopping. They're getting back to socializing in general. So have the numbers decreased? Yes. But during that time frame, unfortunately, people who were social drinkers and then were cooped up, some of them have actually, you know, stepped over that fine line or that invisible line, as we call it, and are having a very difficult time putting the alcohol down on a daily basis. I've noticed a big change from uh, a slight decrease in heroin use because of the fentanyl is killing people. So some of the people that realize that switch to alcohol. Mm -hmm. And I'm noticing a large population, a landslide of alcohol, um, alcohol induced disorders and um, a lot of alcohol patients that are coming on board now. Uh, As we know, fentanyl is one pill kills, right? So we know that, right? And um, so a lot of people are, have, have switched, but we still have uh, an epidemic out there. Making that switch from alcohol to fentanyl, how difficult is that to do? And is it common? It's very hard to just get rid of one 
and go with the other. A lot of times it becomes the combination because they think I'm gonna do a little of this and a lot more of that. Yeah, and we call that changing seats on the Titanic, basically, right? We're getting a better seat, but the ship is still going the same. I know it's early, but have you seen any results from this program? It's a brand new initiative. Mm -hmm. Have we gotten people in here yet? No, but I'm hoping with this podcast that people watch it, they see it, and they know we're here. I want them to absolutely know that this is a safe place. It is, again, confidential. There's people here to talk to. Or you can just walk in the door, take a look at our brochures. If you want to take something home, go right ahead. It's very, very non-judgmental. Um, there's so many people who are afraid to come in. Um, the fear factor plays a huge part in the disease of alcoholism. And the biggest thing there is that they're afraid of giving up their best friend because that's what it becomes. Here, we give you a place to talk about it, hear experiences, and take home some information. And we have AA hotlines, we have national hotlines, we have multitudes of websites today that you can go on to in the privacy of your home if and when you're ready or if a loved one or even a child, close friend, has an addiction issue that you're aware of, this is the place to come to find out where to take the next step. The Township of Nutley is, um, stands alone uh, in this respect. There's over 500 municipalities in the state. In, in this state. And first, they, they came up with seven years ago with the uh, Veterans um, Bureau. Uh, Bureau here. And now we're coming up now with the Resource Information Center. So Nutley, in my opinion, leads the way and we only hope that other municipalities follow. Seems like we've been fighting drug addiction for decades, yet the problem seems to get worse each year, particularly now with the rise in opioid addiction. In fact, opioids are a factor in over 89% of all overdose deaths in the state of New Jersey. Please speak to that. Before we start talking about the drug addiction end of things and the information we have, I'd like to let you know that we have a wonderful gentleman whose name is John Lewis. He is a former DEA agent for the United States. He just recently retired. He has also been retired as a major in the United States Army. He has multitudes of resources because of his background. So he has a lot to bring to the table for us and he will be as we move forward with this endeavor. The rise in opioids is tremendous. That's the only word I could think of that comes to mind right now. Heroin is killing people left and right. Fentanyl, fentanyl is 50 times stronger than heroin. Uh, what I've seen in practice is that the escalation has, has in, definitely increased because there was a recent, and I say recent, the last few years, the doctors have been cracked down on that were writing liberal scripts for opioids. And so what happened, the, the addicts that were created then went to the, to the streets to get drugs. Mm -hmm. And the same person that's selling the heroin is selling those same pills that they're looking for. However, the pills they're looking for are $20 a pill and the heroin is $3 a bag. So for an economical standpoint of someone who doesn't have the money to begin with that's addicted or drifting that way to the heroin. Yeah. Right. So we're seeing a lot of that. Unfortunately, I think a lot of people, especially in a small town, tend to say, um, not my kid or not my relative. How do you combat that? I think that education is the biggest thing here. Education to families who say, not my child, not my teenager, not my adult son, not my daughter, uh, not or the child, not my mother, or my father. It's out there. Um, again, we are trying so hard just to let people know, to gather the information. You know, do yourself a favor, just find out. Knowledge is power, and this type of knowledge could save a life.
And that's our goal here, is to save. If we could save one life just by somebody coming in, we've completed a really great mission. Students, uh, thousands, millions of students have already said they've used alcohol or some kind of age drug 12 and up. by the age 12. So how can we deny that? It's not, well, not happening here. Under our watch, we can't deny that. We have to have an open mind and address it and move forward. I think another issue there is that in today's society, it's not like it was in the 50s and the 40s and even maybe the 60s, where people had two, two parents at home and mom was home all day. Most families have to work both parents, mother and father. So now you have your, your kids, you know, that are kind of, you, you can guide them as best you can, but now they're out there. Some of them are coming home from school and they're 14, 13, 15, they're allowed to come home alone. But who are they bringing home until mom gets home? You just don't know. And that's where the problems begin to creep in. What is Narcan? Narcan. I actually have a little sample here. This is Narcan. This is in the box that it comes in. Narcan is technically, and, and I want to read this from here because I want to make sure I give you exactly what it is. It is a medication called an opioid antagonist, and it is used to counter the effects of an opioid overdose. And I wanted to say that correctly so people understood. It is a non-addictive uh, medication. Narcan today is so widely used. You may not know that because you're not into that type of thing right now, or you're not exposed to that. But Narcan, because it's so widely used, it is now free in so many multitudes of pharmacies, different larger stores. You can go in and you can go to the pharmacy in a large store and you can say, I would like a free sample of Narcan. Rutgers University, and I had the opportunity to take the course, did an absolutely wonderful presentation on Narcan and the use of it. And if you take that course, the next time Rutgers has it, and if you watch our, you know, our web pages, you'll see when it's coming up. You can certainly take that class, and it's a Zoom class. You take in the privacy of your own home, and they'll send you a free Narcan kit, which is great, and it gives you the instructions, and there's all kinds of things. But the basic use of Narcan is if you think that someone's in the midst of an overdose. It's only going to work on someone who has the opioid, so it's not going to hurt someone. Narcan saves lives uh, in today's world. Unfortunately, it's a, you know, it's a statistic, it saves lives. So everybody should be aware of how to use it. Don't be afraid of it. It's not gonna hurt anyone. And again, we have it here in our office. We can get more supplies for that if anybody's interested. Or you can, again, go to your local pharmacies and it's commonly known to be picked up here and there and it's always good to have one at home. Vincent, how common is alcohol and drug addiction with our veterans? Very, very common. Um, a lot of them utilize it as a self-medication. A lot of them have not been undiagnosed with PTSD. And um, as we know, World War II guys, World War, Korean War, War, War men uh, and women, uh, they did self-medicate back then to even to sleep, as you said earlier, right? And to lower their symptoms, uh, hypervigilance, uh, things of that nature. So yeah, it's very prevalent, very prevalent. What are some of the reasons why they turn to alcohol and drugs? Um, some of the reasons are, um, you know, loneliness, um, feeling isolated, feeling misunderstood, um, feeling uh, disrespected, uh, right? Yeah, a lot, that's a lot of veterans one. do have that, right? Uh, mm -hmm. And, um, you know, there's ways to combat all of that. Like, for instance, loneliness, you, you can combat that with um, companionship, right? That'd be a solution. Or isolation, that's involvement. Let's get you involved, right? Um, misunderstood to, to being understood, right? Uh, there's lots of ways that we can work with that, but. Um, 
It's a rough population to come forward because they always felt that um, getting help was a weakness, and it's not. Everyone needs direction sometime in their life. Everyone. So we, we urge, you know, uh, again, the, I don't know if I said this earlier, Sharon, but there's 500 municipalities in this, in this mm -hmm. great state of ours. And um, we were the first to, Nutley was the first to lead a Veterans Bureau. And um, we, we continue to do that. We have a Friday meeting that's open to anyone in the county that would like to come. Um, and throughout the day, I see a Veterans. The Nutley is a very patriotic town, over a thousand veterans here. And now this is gonna be another way that we're leading the way, Absolutely. right, Sharon? Absolutely. And we got a great team. We got John DEA, we got Sharon, that's uh, very well equipped with uh, anything that we need to do. And we have therapists that get on hand as well. I know the Veterans Affairs Bureau has been uh, extremely successful. What kind of reaction has, has that brought? It's been actually very, very good. We have brought in and helped so many veterans. I don't have the number in front of me, but I can tell you that there are veterans that call. We assist them with getting um, disability. We assist them with getting into the VA. We actually have a program. It's called a GAP program where one of our gentlemen that works for us, he drives veterans to the VA for appointments so that they get there. You don't see that very frequently in other municipalities, but we have put our best foot forward. We, you know, we have the respect for them here that you know they should be treated just as everyone else. You know, these guys have come home from some horrific war. You know, they've been hurt, they've been damaged. Here we start the healing process, and that's what we're doing. That's what Vince does. He's there to help you heal. Uh, us taking them places to get to things. Uh, rides to the VA, disability with the VA, whatever it is they need, we're here to accommodate them. Um, with all of that help and the fact that they're now talking about it, which was huge, you know, it's pulling them back from the loneliness and the non-companionship because they have a place to come. That's the most important thing. And there's a trust issue as well, right? There, a lot of them come back suspicious, right? So then there's the, they could realize they trust us. Uh, thank goodness we have uh, John Kelly, the commissioner here, who's also a veteran. Mm -hmm. And before that, we had another veteran, Steve, right? Yeah, Commissioner Rogers was Rogers. a veteran. So thank God for those those gentlemen that keep yeah. continue to, you know, have their heart out and working with veterans all the time. I see you have some literature uh, that people can pick up at the Resource Center. We actually, now that you say that, I just want to hold these up to your camera real quickly. These are some of the flyers. And it's all about talking to your kids, about your teen, about vaping. It's talking to your child about opioids. It's talking to your child about marijuana. Now, as we all know, marijuana is legal today. You have to go to the dispensary to buy it, but you have to be 18. Now, I don't know, there's some kids who are 12 or 13 that want to smoke marijuana, so guess what? They're buying it from the street. And it's getting waste with things. So it's something to really talk to your child about, even though it's legal for the adult today. You have talking to your teen about alcohol and talking to your child about alcohol. It's a big difference between a child and a teen. Okay? As we said, 12 seem to be the average age of the surveys that people have taken and the statistics that have been shown. It could start younger than that. There's kids. And we do feel it's a gateway, right? Another gateway. We do. We yeah. feel it's a gateway. You know, marijuana was always the gateway drug up until it was legalized six months ago. Last question for both of you. What are your goals for the Resource Center? Personally, my goal is to have people be aware that we're here, that they can come in. It's confidential. It's a safe place. It's a place you can have a conversation without thinking that anyone's judging you. I want them to be able to come in and pick up flyers, to go home and read them, to 
benefit from them, to talk to their kids about it. That's huge in my book. Uh, I just want people to save lives out there because you know we're losing so many children today. We're losing so many middle-aged people today. You see the overdose. You see what's happening. Um, it's it's the world is being led in a direction that is going to be unsafe and harmful if we don't do something now. Can we stop it? No. Can we give you enough information to stop it on your own? We can, and that's what we're here for. And Commissioner Kelly is a huge advocate of this program. He's allowed us to come in here and do this. He's allowed us to put this literature out there for people. And you know that just goes to speak of the kind of person he is as well. You know, it's we're public affairs and health, and this is a huge health crisis. So hopefully we are going to lead the way, and things are going to get better. And I have great expectations that this agency is going to help thousands of people, and maybe we will just inspire other townships to do the same thing. Mm -hmm. I just want people to know that the Resource Center is here. We're here every day from 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. If you can't make it in during those hours and you really want something, just call our office during the day. You can ask for me. I'm Sharon Lemabaza, 973-284-4976. You can just ask for Sharon. I'll be happy to come in in the evening hours to meet with you if you just want to pick up something up or if you just want to have a conversation. I'm always available. Okay, Sharon, Vincent, thank you so much for spending your time with us. And good luck with the program. Thank you so much. Thank you very much, sir.